Welcome to another episode of the 20-Minute Bible Study, a teaching podcast from Faith on Hill Church. My name is Adam, and while I put 20 minutes on the timer, why don't you open your Bibles to the book of Exodus, chapter 30. Well, we'll continue talking about the establishment of worship for the people of Israel. The Lord is giving instructions to Moses about how his tabernacle, his tent of meeting was to be established. And these same basic rules and guidelines would then be transferred to the temple that would be built by King Solomon, the son of King David, later on in the history of Israel. And these same rules and guidelines would have been followed by the priests even in Jesus' day. Verse 22 says, Then Yahweh said to Moses, Take the following fine spices, 500 shekels of liquid myrrh, half as much, that is 250 shekels, of fragrant cinnamon, 250 shekels of fragrant calamus, 500 shekels of cassia, all according to the sanctuary shekel, and a hin of olive oil. Make these into a sacred anointing oil, a fragrant blend, the work of a perfumer. It will be the sacred anointing oil. Then use it to anoint the tent of meeting, the ark of the covenant of the law, the table and all its articles, the lampstand and all its accessories, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offerings and all its utensils, and the basin with its stands. You shall consecrate them, so they will be most holy. Whatever touches them will be holy. Anoint Aaron and his sons, consecrate them so that they may serve me as priests. Say to the Israelites, this is my sacred anointing oil for the generations to come. Do not pour it on anyone else's body and do not make other oil using the same formula. It is sacred. and You are to consider it sacred. Whoever makes perfume like it and puts it on and uh, puts it on anyone other than a priest must be cut off from their people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Take fragrant spices, gum resin, onchia, and galbanum, and pure frankincense, all in equal amounts, and make a fragrant blend of incense, the work of a perfumer. It is to be salted and pure and sacred. Grind some of it into a powder and place it in front of the Ark of the Covenant Law in the meeting tent where I will meet with you. It shall be most holy to you. Do not make any incense with this formula for yourselves. Consider it holy to the Lord. Whoever makes incense like it to enjoy its fragrance must be cut off from the people. That might seem harsh. If you make something that smells like this incense or this fragrant anointing oil, you are exiled, cast out from your people. That might seem harsh. Except, think about Knowing what you know about humanity, why would somebody make a, uh, a fragrant oil or a uh, incense blend like the one that's being described here in Exodus 30? Can't you see somebody making blends like that and then going around and selling it, profiting off of what is supposed to be a sacred thing, a holy thing, and then they're going around saying, hey, if you want God to really bless your household or your tent, then you need this anointing oil and I'll sell it to you. you. If you really want to cure what's wrong with grandma, you need to buy this from me. 
If you really want blessings on this herd of cattle you have, you really need to use this stuff. That's what will really get, get God's favor going. Can't you see that happening? Not only that, but later on in the history of the people of Israel, the kingdom was divided. The 10 northern tribes split off from the southern tribes of Judah and Benjamin. And also the tribe of Simeon was there, but by that point they had diminished so small that they were just functionally part of Judah. So the 10 northern tribes split off. And then the king of the northern tribes, the king of Israel, did not want the people going to worship God at the temple in Jerusalem because he did not want to allow his rival, the kingdom of Judah, to have any sort of sway over his people. So what did he do? He created his own temple. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you that they took the anointing oils and they took the blends and the incense and they brought it to their place of worship. Why is that wrong? Because God gets to instruct us in how he is to be worshiped, not the other way around. And you could see where somebody would just say, I am going to forget you guys and I'm going to set up my own place and my own little world and my own little kingdom and I'm going to forget the rest of you. This isn't the only time that happens in the history of the kingdom of Israel. There are other accounts of uh, people trying to hire the Levitical priests to be their own personal priest. So that way I don't have to go to the temple or to the tabernacle. That way I don't have to connect with anyone else. I'm too good for that. I'm too important to that. My time is more valuable. Does that mean that I only can meet with God at church? No, of course not. This isn't me trying to tell people, you know, you have to go to church. But it is, I believe, something where God is is speaking to the people about the importance of gathering together and not taking something that God has established, whether it's the tabernacle or the temple in the old covenant, or it is the church family in the new covenant, not taking something that God has established and treating it like it is a common thing, like it is unimportant. I recently heard of a, um, a church service, quote unquote, but it was only for invited people. You had to know about it. It was like a club meeting. I said, that's not a church service. That's a get together where they prayed. And, and, I, and I'm not trying to knock anybody, but I'm saying that if we try to cut ourselves off from the rest of the church, the body of Christ, and we try to take things that God has, has established and say, we don't think that's anything special. We're just going to go over here and do our own thing. We do so to our own detriment. Now, in verse 1 of chapter 31, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Belezalel, of the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, and with knowledge, and with all kinds of skill, to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and engage of all kinds of crafts. Moreover, I have appointed Ahoyalab, son of Ashamach, the tribe of Dan, to help him. Also, I have given ability 
to all the skilled workers to make everything I have commanded you, the tent of meeting, the ark of the covenant law with the atonement cover on it, and all the furnishings of the tent, the table and all its articles, the pure gold lampstand and all its accessories, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offerings, and all its utensils, the basin with its stand, and also the woven garments, both sacred garments from Aaron the priest and garments from his sons when they serve as priests, and the anointing oil and the fragrant incense for the holy place there to make them just as I commanded you. So all of the things that we have studied in, in this series, all of the implements and even the, the materials for the tabernacle itself. If Moses is anything like me, I am not handy. And, and there are times, you know, having the responsibility for a facility like the church building, there are times that somebody who's not handy where I just say, oh Lord, I don't know what to do here. And I'm so thankful that, uh, you know, Moses gets given this list of things to do and, and it could feel overwhelming. And then God says, but you're not supposed to do this. This is, I've got other people to do this work. You have a work, Moses, that you're called to do. And I'm so thankful for the trustees, uh, Kaylee and Brandon, and those who don't have an official role but help with the, the maintaining of the facility. I'm thankful for the way the Lord provides. Uh, you know, we had a pothole in our parking lot, and uh, Kaylee and I had been talking about how to fix it because, you know, neither of us are experts in how to fix a pothole. And uh, so we were, just, you know, just going to kind of do the poor man's repair and, and, you know, see how that works. And then one day uh, in August, there was a work crew that was doing some asphalt work on the road just down the street from the church, but they were staging out of the parking lot. And then when they left, I saw that they had filled in our pothole for free, just done it, professional job. And I praise the Lord. I'll tell you, I rejoiced that day because I don't have the skills to do it. And maybe Moses got given this thing and, he, and he's like, oh my God, oh my, how do I do all this? How do I accomplish all of these things that God has given us to do? And God's saying, you don't have to. And that to me is one of the benefits of being connected in a church family is that it is not all on us. And all of the responsibility does not fall on us that we share the work that God has given us together. And I do what God's called me to do. And you do what God's called you to do. And hopefully we're in unison and on the same page so that we're, we're not stepping over each other, but we're supporting each other. I think that's the way it's supposed to be. Now in verse 12, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, You must observe my Sabbaths. It will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come, so that you may know that I am the Lord, Yahweh, who makes you holy. Before we go any farther, I want to emphasize that. They were not holy. They were not special because of themselves. It was Yahweh, God, who made them holy. In the same way, I am not holy and you are not holy. It is God who makes us holy. It is Jesus, God the Son, who was approved by Yahweh, God the Father. And through the work of God the Holy Spirit, we are made right before God. And we are holy before God, not because of who we are or what we do, but because of who he is and what he has done. Verse 14, observe the Sabbath because it is holy to you. So he's saying, observe the Sabbath, the day of rest, because it is special, set apart to you. Anyone who desecrates it shall be put to death. Those who do any work on that day must be cut off from their people. For six days work is to be done, but on the seventh day is a day of rest, holy to Yahweh. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath is to be put to death. The Israelites are to observe the Sabbath. 
celebrating it for generations to come as a lasting covenant. It will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. For in six days Yahweh made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. When Yahweh finished speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him the two tablets of the covenant law, so that's the Ten Commandments, and the tablets of stone inscribed by the finger of God. So Moses is given these larger instructions, and he's taking notes or just remembering them, but then the Ten Commandments were inscribed by God himself on these two stones. And the last instruction he's given is about the Sabbath, the day of rest. This is still a controversial subject. I, um, my previous church was in a historic center of Seventh-day Adventism. In fact, the founder of the Seventh-day Adventist movement died in, in the area where, where my previous church was. And the, uh, in the community of Angwin, which was about 30 minutes away from where I lived, there was a uh, SDA Bible college and uh, the, the house where the founder had died. And it was a, a real SDA, Seventh-day Adventist community. I've had really good relationship with brothers and sisters in the Seventh-day Adventist church. Um, I do not agree with them that Christians must observe the Sabbath. I also would challenge them that if they do believe that Christians must observe the Sabbath, that they should live by that. The Sabbath does not begin on Saturday. The Jewish day is from sundown till sundown. We judge a day in a 24-hour period, either the calendar day from, you know, 12.01 a.m. until, you know, 11.59 p.m. that night. That's 24 hours. That's the calendar day. Or there's what we consider a day, which is generally speaking sunrise, you know, till sunset. That's, that's daytime. The Jewish day began at night. And, and you might remember learning this when we talk about the Sabbath in terms of Jesus when he died because they had to get him down off the cross and bury him quickly because the Sabbath sundown on Friday was about to start. And so I have, at times, if I want to kind of, you know, get into a little with my with my SDA friends, I'll say, hey, if you're going to do it, if you're going to say that we have to observe the Sabbath, then do it right. And from sundown Friday night, do nothing. From sundown Friday night, rest. And some do. I, I, I will admit that there are some who do, but most don't. People get really legalistic about this thing. Here's what I think about the Sabbath. Jesus taught us that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And what he meant by that was that it was given to us. It was a blessing. God didn't design people so that they could keep the Sabbath. He designed the Sabbath as a blessing for people. Consider the Industrial Revolution and the conditions in the 1800s and the early 1900s uh, we just had Labor Day, which is kind of a, a remembrance of the labor movement. Consider the conditions that people had to work in. Don't you think that the industrialist who owned those factories would have made them work seven days a week had it not been for the idea of a Sabbath? Now, in, in, you know, in those Victorian, Edwardian times, you know, the Sabbath was Sunday, but the concept remains. The idea was people needed a day of rest. I'm so thankful that God gave that concept, and even if it was applied maybe legalistically or improperly at times by the church, it protected people. You have to give them a day off. You have to give them a day of rest. You cannot work them on Sunday. There was a day 
that they had to recover that they honestly probably wouldn't have gotten otherwise. I believe in a concept of rest. Does it matter which day it is? No. Uh, I'm a pastor. I work on Sundays. So my family, we talk about, Angie and I will talk about when do we rest as a family? When do we as a family pause and there's no work, there's no church stuff, there's there's no, um, Angie and I are both in school again, so it's, there's no school stuff. What are we doing to rest our souls and our bodies and our emotions and our minds? Because you can't keep going and going and going and expect not to just burn out. And so we want to have long-term sustainable health and life. And so how do we rest? So for us, it's, it's really like, you know, school ends on Friday. That's when our Sabbath begins. Not because of some, this is when you have to keep Sabbath, but this is when it works for our schedule. A day of rest, I believe, is a concept that is important and that is healthy. Here's the crazy thing. Here's the crazy thing. Think about just the Ten Commandments. We just talked about them here. You know, the the, the covenant law in verse 18, the, the tablets of stone inscribed by the finger of God. If I break nine out of the Ten Commandments, I get fired. And, and rightfully so, right? If I murder somebody, boom, you know. If I commit adultery, boom, you're gone. But if I break the Sabbath, if I don't take a day off, there's a decent chance that I get an attaboy. Hell, look how hard Adam's working. And I'm really thankful for our our church's leadership council that has been very uh, gracious in letting me take vacation. And, um, you know, hey, I, 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 you know, some, I'll be honest, there are times as a pastor where I have to work a seven day week. Uh, That happens occasionally. You have an event uh, a tragedy happens, a funeral happens, something comes up and you just, I have to work seven days that week. And uh, our leadership council is very generous about, hey, if you, if you have something like that, take an extra day off the next week. Uh, and, and I'm thankful for that. The, the idea is finding rest for our soul. Think about how you order your life. Think about how you put your week together. I really do believe that one of the reasons that people struggle with church is because they organize their life Monday through Saturday and they give everything to Monday through Saturday. They work hard, they play hard. And then when Sunday comes, they haven't slotted rest. And so Sunday comes and they are just done. And so getting to church, if you can get there, is a, just a drag. Or, or those, oh, you know, hey, it's a beautiful day out. We got to just take it easy with the family. We've had a crazy week. Instead of being intentional and saying, I am going to choose to take rest elsewhere. And you might say, well, Adam, that's easy for you to say. You're a pastor. You work on Sundays. You have to be there. That's true, except that I have not always been a church staff member. I've been a pastor for for a long time now, but I haven't always been a church staff member. So I've had times where I've worked a full-time job in addition to doing ministry stuff. And so that's even harder. Like you still have to be very intentional. When do I rest? I, I believe that this is a concept that God has given us. This, If you think about the big picture of what we have just studied here, God gives Moses this big list of things to do, but then he says, you don't have to do it all on your own. And he gives him this big list of things to do, but he says, make sure that you take care of your own soul and your own health and your own body so that you're useful for the work that I have for you. So I'm thankful that we do things together. And I am thankful that God has given us this concept of resting. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to work hard on the days I work so that when time comes and I rest, 
I can rest well and then be effective as I continue to serve God and work on his mission here in this community. And I hope that's the same for you as well. Well, as our time comes to a close, I want to remind you that Faith on Hill Church meets in person and Sunday on Sunday mornings and online every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Just like this podcast, video versions are available on our Facebook page. On Sunday mornings, they're also available on our website, faithonhill.com. Audio versions of this podcast and our Sunday services are available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You just have to search Faith on Hill. You can email me, adam at faithonhill.com, if you have any questions or comments. Otherwise, we'll see you soon for another episode of the 20-Minute Bible Study.